Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our midweek service. It is so awesome to be with you again this week. If you're here for the first time, we are really excited you're with us. We just um, really would appreciate it if you could click that connect button on your screen and connect with us. We'd really appreciate that. We just want to connect with you. And those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Tom Crano. I'm one of the assistant pastors at the Bayville location, and I'm the outreach director for the church. And again, it's great to be with you here for the second series of our message, Fight to the Finish. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. If we could hook up with this message, and I'm saying we, we're listening to this message together, I'm speaking to myself just as much. If we could hook up with this message, not only hear it, but actually operate in this in our lives and walk in it, we're going to see our lives change, our walk with the Lord change, and we're going to see the lives of others, others change, and that's the key. So again, I want to encourage you to hook up with this. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you for your faithful giving. It's been amazing the the giving through these these times. This congregation has been so faithful and on behalf of pastor and the congregation. We just want to say thank you. And I just want to remind you to give. Uh, you could give tonight at newbeginningsnj.org forward slash give. So before we get started, I want to uh, take a minute to pray. Just kind of consecrate this night to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this night, Lord God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the people listening, that their lives will be changed. And not only will their lives be changed, the lives of others will be changed as they hear your message, as your message goes forth. I give my vocal cords to you. I give my heart to you. And I thank you, Father, that you speak through me. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads me and guides me and shows me exactly what to say, that it's Holy Spirit words, that what needs to go forth will go forth tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the title of our message is Fight to the Finish, right? We talked about fight to the finish in week one. Our our goal was to see how critical it was to contend for our race, to finish our course with joy. That's what we looked at, fight to the finish. We talked about a few definitions of finish, completing a task, or a second definition was manufacturers, uh, the, the connotation of a surface appearance, finishing a product, so it's, it's shiny and it has a, a, an amazing appearance. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But we looked at the Greek word. It means to accomplish or perfect or fulfill. That's what the word finish actually means. We looked at some weak finishers, Judas, Solomon, and King Saul. But then we actually looked at some strong finishers, right? Joshua, Caleb, and Paul. And those are ones we want to emulate we want to look at their finish. And then we also looked at the, the greatest finisher of all, which was Jesus. But in 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8, this was our main scripture along with Acts 20, 24. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we all want to say that, right? We all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We all want to be able to say that at the end of our lives, right? That was, Paul said, I'm ready for my departure. And then in Acts 20, 24, He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, 
My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So three things are going to be tied to our fight to the finish, right? Three things. And when Paul talks about a great aim or making something our great quest, he talks about that in running our race and love. And when he talks about something as a determined purpose, going after something with the determined purpose, he talks about knowing God. So the three things are perseverance, love, and knowing God. If anybody should have quit, it should have been Paul. So we can do it. We, not, when we, if you go back and, and listen, or if you heard last week, we talked about so many things he went through that most of us have never went through. Love. No one fulfills their course apart from walking in love. When we don't walk in love and we don't walk in forgiveness, we're stuck, right? On our path, this is what's going to be required of us, laying down our lives like Jesus. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what is going to be on our path for us, right? We have to count the cost. That's going to be on our path. And finally, knowing God, becoming more like him. Philippians 3.10, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. When we know him, our lives are completely different. When we spend time with God, time in his word, that naturally flows out of us and naturally flows into the lives of other people, right? So when we know God, we become more like him and we run our race more effectively. I want to lead us into this week with this quote that I said last week. Recently, I heard someone say this. They said, we don't get out of life what we want, right? We don't get out of life what we want. We get out of life who we are. In Proverbs, it says, guard your heart because out of that flow the issues of your life. Now, I'm not saying that certain things don't happen to us by happenstance or by the choices of other people, but a clean heart, like when we flow out of that, we're going to have a clean life, right? Now, I'm not going to say everything's going to be perfect. We're never going to have challenges. But out of our hearts flow the issues of our life, right? So in Hebrews 12, 2, we're going to start here. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Nobody finished like Jesus. We look unto Jesus who for the joy that was set before him, that joy was, was us. That joy was dying on the cross for us. And he didn't let anything deter him from finishing his course. So if we're going to finish like Jesus, if we're going to finish like the greatest finisher of all, we need to look to Jesus. So tonight we're going to look to Jesus to finish our course. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. So last week, we talked about the, the, what God has for us to do, the task, right? But this week, we're going to talk about who we are. We're going to talk about being, not doing, right? Because when we know him and spend time with him, the doing comes natural. He called the disciples to be with him and to preach, right? For we are his workmanship. 
We are created in him to what do good works. The workmanship comes first. So that Greek word comes from a word that is a fabric, something that is made. Think of a tailor that makes the finest of clothes, the most expensive of clothes. That's what we were called to be. It says that be holy as he is holy. The word holy means to be set apart. It means to be a cut above. The finest of fabrics, the finest of silk, Think about Italian cut clothes, $1,200 suits. That's, that's what we look like in the spirit. That's what we look like in the spirit. And it reminds me of a story from Three's Company. I'm kind of chuckling here because I'm dating myself a little bit. But one of my favorite shows, I watched it as a kid, was Three's Company. And John Ritter was so funny because he was so animated, right? Well, he passed away and I watched his documentary. And listen to what Henry Winkler, which was the Fonz, which was the fawn. So Henry Winkler said this about him. He said, if I could explain him in this way, if being a human being was a cut of a fabric, John Ritter would have been the finest of silk. That's the type he, type of um, person he was. And I'm going to talk a little bit about gold in a little bit, but I just sent a text to somebody and said they have a heart of gold. And when you think of gold, the finest of gold, the finest of silks, right? So each of our paths are going to look different. We're talking about running a race. We're going to have different occupations, different people in our lives. But the one thing we're all going to have in common is this. Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknow, talking about us, he also predestined, thank you, Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And when I think about that scripture, right, we all have different personalities. We all have different looks, different haircuts, different hairstyles, different colors. We dress differently, right? But in the spirit, we all were cut from, from that same brother, which was Jesus. He was the first born among many brethren, and we all were be predestined to be conformed to his image. That's the common thread that brings us all together in unity is that. So we are called to look like Jesus and reflect his image to the world. All of our courses are going to include that, all of them. That word conformed in the Greek means having the same form as another. Now, I love to look up words in the Greek. I think um, PJ Grubin always used to joke with me and my sister, Pastor Pam, say, you guys are so funny. You always like to look up definitions. I love to look up definitions. I'm always going to the concordance because it brings out the word so much deeper. So in the Greek, so we're going to go through the Greek a little bit tonight. Um, it means jointly formed likeness that and speaks of our future glory. We were, were one with Christ. But listen to this. It stresses an inward conformity and describes what is the essence and character and thus not merely a form or an outline. Now we know the word be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you look at the word conformed, listen to this. It's a different word, but similar. It stresses an outward conformity. It means to shape one thing like another and describe what is transitory, changeable, and unstable. So being conformed to the likeness of Jesus, there's stability in that, the essence of his character flowing through us. And we're, tra- we're predestined to be what conformed into the image of his son, the likeness of his son. 
So here's the question I'm going to throw out. Last week, it was a statement. It's not how you start and how you, it's how you finish, and that's so true, right? But here's the question I have for us today. Grab this question and take it to heart. This isn't for condemnation. This is to go deeper. We want to go deeper with God, right? Is that not the goal to go deeper? We don't want to live a surface Christian life. We want to go deeper with the Father, right? We want to go deeper with Him. So my question today to help us go deeper, my challenge is this. I believe it's from the Holy Spirit. Are we reflecting a shadow or an image? I said we because I'm talking to me just as much as you. A shadow is a small degree or portion. It's something that's faint, it's, it's, it's um, a shaded or darker portion of a picture. It's something you really can't ma- make out very clear, right? If you have two people, same size, same weight, same everything, and they both cast a shadow, you're not going to be able to tell who's who, right? But an image, listen to this, is an exact likeness, a personally, strikingly like another person, a tangible or visible representation like a father or son. You see a father and and a son, and they basically represent each other. And I think I look more like my my mother than my father, but I walked into a place, and somebody who never met me looked at me and said to my father, and looked at both of us and said to my father, you can't deny that he's yours. And my father's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you look exactly alike. That guy was seeing my father in me, right? He was seeing the resemblance. And sometimes you'll talk to somebody, it's almost comical how much they talk like their father. Like I said to Pastor Mike Viola, I said, Pastor Mike, I was um, looking at your son the other day, and now I'm looking at you the way you're standing. I said, oh my God, it's like exactly alike. Your emotions, the way you look, he's just like you, right? And that's a good thing because Pastor Mike, we love him, right? So here's the thing. It's like a father and son, So let's ask the question, what are the things that are blocking us from allowing that full expression of the image? I'm going to believe the best that most of us are casting a shadow at least, right? But I think we could all do better, including myself. So look, look at this word finish. Complete the manufactured decoration by giving it an attracted surface appearance. When you look at a car that was redone or a piece of furniture that was finished, it went from scratchy and maybe ruddy to something really shiny and beautiful and attractive. So God desires for us to finish our course, but he also desires to mold us, shape us, and work in us and perfect the things that concern us. He desires for us to reflect the image of his son to the world through us. In Philippians, it says, he who has begun a good work in us will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ. But here's where I want to focus, and this is really the main piece of the message. In 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to start in verse 4, and it's funny because my notes, I'm not using an iPad today, got a little fuzzy. So I have to kind of look at them really close. They're kind of, really, maybe you can't see it, but they're a little kind of fuzzy here. And it's interesting because you'll understand They're kind of fading is the word, but you'll understand a little more when we read 2 Corinthians 3. This might be one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, 
Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. It's talking about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And we know that the law came through Moses and it made us realize how sinful we really are, that we can never live up to this, right? And it really drove us to God. But it says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So now we're looking at the glory in Moses, right? That that glory which was fading away was still glorious. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? The ministry that we have now in the New Testament, where we live with the Spirit of God in us, how will that not be much more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. When you think of glory, you think something expressed, something in light, something in fullness, right? For even what was made glorious had no glory, the Old Testament had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels where we're living in, an excellent glory. For what is for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. This is the most probably the most scripture I've read in a message at one time. But listen to this. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use such boldness of speech. Living in this dispensation, living in this time, when I say dispensation of the New Testament, and the Spirit of God living inside of us, we should have great boldness of speech. We have a glory that's fading, that's not fading, rather. We don't have a glory that's fading. When you think of Moses, it's almost like living in shame. And some of us, maybe we we, we, we hide back in shame or from our past or, or this, but all that's wiped away in Christ. We have a ministry that's glorious. We need to step out in boldness. Recently, I got on myself because I've been like, you ever get on yourself, right? I've been saying a precursor to some of the things I say. Well, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual and I wouldn't just say something if it wasn't God. And I always put this precursor and then I say it almost wishy-washy. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get back to just saying it, saying it with boldness, saying what the Spirit of God has put on my heart and it's according to the Word. If it lines up with the Word, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it with boldness. I don't have to apologize for it. And that's what we need to be. We need to be bold. Why? Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, says that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. He actually had to cover his face because the glory was fading, but it was still glorious. But listen to this. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. When people read the Old Testament, they still don't have the fullness. They just have a shadow. They just have a little bit. They just have a piece of it. It's talks about the Old Testament being a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of the full expression. But we have the full expression, the Christ in us, the hope of glory lives inside of us. And it says, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When they turn to Christ in repentance, the veil is lifted. That's what it means to be a new 
person in Christ, when the old has passed away, when we turn to the Lord, we realize, Lord, I need you. We turn away from our sin and come to him. The veil is taken away, and now we can see. And it says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, what the veil is taken away. Now, the, the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But this is what I want to go into and focus on. But we all with unveiled face or open face, beholding, that means looking as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. But listen to this, what we all with unveiled face. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And listen to this. That word transform means to turn into another person, into another being. When Jesus died on the cross, when we turn to the Lord in this in the New Testament, now Christ dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and now the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. This is what happened. The veil has been taken away. That word open means, the, in the Greek, hindrances to the perception of spiritual realities, hindrance removed in the unveiling in the Greek. Listen to this. Hindrance to the perception of spiritual realities. We no longer have to just cast a shadow, but we could cast an image. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time, that we are still imperfect, but the full expression of Christ lives inside of us, right? So listen to this. The veil did two things. It blocked us from receiving and understanding the image, seeing the fullness of Christ and seeing him fully, and it blocked us from reflecting his image to people. So listen, are you getting that? I want to say it again. The veil did two things. The veil was on our hearts, our, our hearts, and it blocked us from really seeing Christ, but it also blocked us from reflecting Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about. There's no more hindrances. There's no more hindrances. The hindrances have been taken away. The veil has been torn in two. The veil has been lifted. The darkness has been lifted. Jesus said, it is finished. So in Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So look, I said that before, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, but we're laying aside every weight in the sin that so easily entangles us. Those weights and sins, they hinder us from allowing the purity of God to shine in our hearts. And the only way it's going to happen is when we look at him, right? It says, with unveiled faces, the, we could see his glory. Now, how amazing is that? So with an open face, I could look at him and I could spend time with him, and I could behold him, and I could put my eyes on him, and I could see him in his fullness. And out of that, I reflect the image of God to the world. And it's only when I look at him that others can see him in me and see him in us. So that only way is going to happen. So I'm going to say it again. Are we casting a shadow or an image? In Hebrews 10, 1, it says, For since the law was only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, 
It can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. Right? So, another translation. So it's 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 not just a it's a shadow of the things to come, not the full expression of those things. So if we're going to run our race, we have to allow that that full expression to come forth. I'm not like I said, we're not sinless. Um, but we do reflect the image of God. We're called to be like him on this earth, right? So hindrances to our fight to the finish. Darkness, walking in darkness. Darkness snuffs out the light, but we need to be children of the light. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of light. We have the light of God. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. We don't want to hide that light under a bushel. We want to let that light shine and shine in our hearts to show us the areas that need to change. And if this isn't a message of condemnation, this is a message of encouragement, but it's also a message of seriousness. So darkness is a hindrance, an unrenewed mind. Therefore, brethren, be debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, right? The Holy Spirit living inside of us. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, our sons of God. Sons of God, does that sound familiar? Conform, predestined to be to conform to the image of his son. Complacency, doing nothing, right? The Dead Sea, think about it. Um, The Sea of Galilee is alive because it takes in and gives out this. The Dead Sea is dead because it only takes in it. It sits and it does nothing and it's dirty and it's contaminated. So we're talking about purity of heart today. We're talking about being a cut above, being set apart, letting that image shine through. So finally, sin. So walking in darkness, unrenewed mind, complacency and sin. Sin creates impurity in our lives and it hinders us from running our race, right? What does it say? It says, laying aside, I'm going to read it again, laying aside every weight in the sin, weights, things that weigh, it down, weigh us down and hinder us, but also that sin that, that, that contaminates our hearts. We want hearts that are pure, right? At, guard your heart, out of that flow the issues of life. In 2 Corinthians 7.1, this is what it says, therefore, since you have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So how do we do this? I gave you what some of the hindrances. We talked about running our race. God desires for us to finish. We know what our race is. We talked about the only way to do that is to be like him because when we're like Christ, we're going to be a strong finisher and we're going to have a heart to finish the race like him. And we talked about those hindrances, and we're going to Finish here. Things, the, the one th- I want to give you one thing to do. Look at him. Spend time with him. And then we're going to reflect his image. Right? Spending time with him in his word. Praying. In worship. Getting to know God. Because when we get to know him, our minds are renewed. See, because what our mind wants to do, it's in our spirit's it says the holy the, the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, right? That just wants to come out. It's already there. We already have it. Jesus said it's finished. It's already in there. It's just a matter of removing the hindrances from that image shining through completely. So if our minds aren't renewed, it's going to take us in a direction that we don't want to go. 
But when our minds are renewed, it's going to line up with the Spirit so our spirit can flow through. So I've been reading a book by John Bevere, and if I ever have the opportunity, I can even go deeper into this and share my own personal story on how I was able to go to a, a James Robeson show that John Bevere was at, and I got the book, and he was like speaking directly to me, and it was divine, ordered for me to be there that day, and it was the most amazing day of my life, and it changed everything in, in my life. And some of the things that he went through, I realized, oh my God, they're so similar. And I was reading that book, God, Where Are, Where Are You?, finding strength and purpose in your wilderness. And he talks about purity of heart, and he talks about how they refine gold, right? And in Malachi 3.3, it says, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Speaking of the royal priests or Christ followers prophesying to that time, and when he's talking about the sons of Levi, he's referring to us and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. So pure gold, listen to this. So listen to this. Let's think of gold now. And let's think of our hearts wanting to look like pure gold and our lives wanting to look like pure gold, right? And allowing our hearts to not have any hindrances and so the light of God could shine through. Pure gold is soft, pliable, and free from other substances. When mixed with other metals, it becomes hardened, less pliable, and more corrosive. So this is how they do the refining process. They, gold is ground into powder, powder. It's mixed with flux. It's placed in intense heat. Impurities drawn to flux are drawn to the flux and they rise to the surface. Gold, which is very heavy, remains at the bottom. The impurities are removed. So the impurities come to the surface. And... God wants us to live in a, in, in a state of purity. And sometimes we go through challenges or maybe we feel like we're in, in the heat or we're in pressure or we're going through things and you're like, Lord, why is these things happening? I'm not talking about sin or I'm not talking about sickness and I'm not talking about poverty and lack and, and depression. God wants those things out of our lives. I'm talking about things that maybe God is using trials and tribulations that God's using to strengthen us, challenges. Maybe he's putting in you in a situation that's uncomfortable for you and you got to step out of your comfort zone and there's heat and there's pressure and you feel like I can't do this. But on the other side, there's, there, there, there's, there's beauty. On the other side, there's, a, there's a pure gold. On the other side, there's a reflection of the image of God, right? So here's a silversmith. I was watching I'm listening to a message from Oral Roberts University Chapel. I used to go to college there. I liked and I like to listen to their message, some messages from there. And a guy was talking about a firebrand, and I never heard of that term before. And he said he was talking about the refiner's fire, and he gave a story of a silversmith, and he was on the mission field, and he asked the silversmith, he said, "I've really been talking a lot and seeing." a lot about refining in the Bible. Could I spend some time with you? Could I spend a few minutes with you? And he said, sure. So here's the three things he watched the silversmith do. It says he was refining that piece of silver, that putting it in the heat, right? And what does it do? It gets out the impurities. Our desire, we want to get those impurities out of our lives, the hindrance out of our lives, so the image of God can shine through. So what happened was this. He was burning 
the silver uh, and, and refining like he does. And he was burning that piece, that silversmith. And he asked him, why? He said, why do you not move it? He goes, because it has to be in the center of the fire. It has to be in the center of the fire. It has to be in that intense heat because if not, the impurities don't get burnt out of it. It won't be beautiful and pure. Secondly, secondly, he wouldn't take his eyes off and he's like, why won't you take your eyes off? And he had to keep his eyes on that. And it's the same way God is with us in everything. He's with us and he keeps his eyes on us even in times of intense pressure, even in times when we're out of our comfort zone and going through challenges or doing things that maybe are uncomfortable. And then finally, and this is where I want to finish and end up right here. He said, how do you know when the silver is refined? And I think you're all going to probably get this. He said, I could see my image in the piece of silver. He's able to see his image when all those impurities are burnt out. What did I say the veil did? It causes us to be hindered from seeing God for who he is in his fullness and reflecting that fullness to others and also back to him. So I just want to encourage us with this. All right. It says in first Peter to, you have been grieved by various trials, but it says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the generous share of faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? So I just want to encourage us to do this, to not run from the challenges of life, not run from maybe heat or pressure, because the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God is going to strengthen us. The Spirit of God wants to work in us to burn out the things that are, number one, not pleasing to Him, but burn those things out that are hindering us from running our race and walking in the abundant life, but also reaching out to others. It's because He cares. He wants us to live a holy life because He cares, right? He cares. He wants to see us changed. He wants to see his glory reflected. And he wants us to reflect that image to the world. And folks, I just want to encourage us with this, the great ones. I've been hearing this from Michael Jordan, from Kobe Bryant. I heard a few things recently. And all I've been hearing about is the process. And Kobe Bryant made a statement and he said something like this. He says, it's those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. This is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination. It's the journey, right? So Michael Jordan was talking about the process, and I want to encourage us to embrace the process. And it's time to no longer fall in love with our beautiful lives. It's no longer time to fall in love with our accomplishments and I accomplished this, and I accomplished, and I accomplished that even in the ministry and not fall in love with our dreams. Yes, God wants us to run our race, but he doesn't want us to fall in love with the dream. He doesn't want the dream to become an idol. He wants us to fall in love with the dream giver. He wants to fall, us to fall in love with him, and he wants us to become more like Christ every day. And when we fall in love 
with being more like him, then we're not going to be scared of the challenges. We're not going to be scared of pressure. We're not going to be afraid. Why? Because we know that my purpose today is to become more like Christ. Three things I do when I go to work every day, I work here at the church, is I want to be a blessing to this organization. I want to be better at my job today than I was yesterday. And I want to be more like Christ every day. So if I have to do something that maybe I don't like, now a pastor's going to ask me to do something I don't like tomorrow and test me. I'm kidding. If I have to be asked that I don't do something I like, I do it because I know, number one, I want to be a blessing. But number two, in that process, God can use that thing to become more like him. And I want to become more like him. And we want to become more like him. And he said to the Pharisees, first, clean out the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean. So let's make a commitment today to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and allow Christ in us the hope of glory to shine through us. It's then we will finish our course and be like the greatest finisher of all. And I remember John Bevere made a comment when I went to that show. And he said this, he said one time in his life, he had a dream and that was taken away from him and he was like devastated and he didn't understand why. He said, but God still had to get some of the impurities out of his life because he wasn't ready for it yet. And he said he was almost in love with the dream. And you can watch his interview on James Robeson. And he said he, he realized that he was chasing the dream, but God wanted him to not just chase the dream, but chase after him. And he says the relationship we had with God after that was, was never the same. And he wants to become more and more like Christ every day. And that should be our goal. So I just want to encourage you today. I hope you were blessed. In our hearts, let's make this commitment. Let's just make this commitment together as, as believers and pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for the privilege of becoming more like Jesus every day and allowing his love and his glory and his light to shine through me more and more every day. I present myself to you with all my heart. I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And Father, burn those things out of me that are not pleasing to you and hindering me from running my race. I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. I hope this was a blessing to you. And I just want to encourage you, finish your course with joy and make it a goal to let the love of God and the light of God shine through you every day. God bless you. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.